0: Welcome to the Live Your Spa Life Show. Spa Life is where accomplishment and harmony coexist. Now, here's your host and Spa Life curator, Diane Halfman.
1: Hello, and welcome to the next episode of the Live Your Spa Life Show. Spa Life is a lifestyle that accepts that accomplishment and harmony coexist. The Spa and Spa Life, the SPA, is for Seek Power Always, that power within you to do your bigger work in the world. I am thrilled to introduce our special guest for today, Dolores Hirschman, who is an internationally recognized strategist, coach, speaker, and founder of Masters in Clarity. It's a coaching practice that helps clients clarify their idea worth sharing. As a speaker coach, Dolores leverages the TED Speaking platform to turn successful professionals into thought leaders in their field. Dolores, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you so much for hosting me.
1: Uh, it's great to have you. Now, the TEDx platform, it's so popular and, you know, people wanting to get their thoughts out into the world. How is it that you chose that platform to help people create their clarity and to really get the exposure that uh, you can help them get?
0: Yeah, Diane, it's, you know, it's sometimes you follow up. I mean, first of all, I think the work we do and wherever we're standing is a combination of choices, paths, decisions, and serendipity that has come your way, right? It's not like I woke up at 20 and I knew I was going to be here. And for anybody listening, just be okay and be in the present because you never know where it's going to lead you. So the truth is that as I launched my coaching practice and I was doing mostly executive and life coaching, I realized there was a space that I wasn't playing, but I didn't know what it looked like. I didn't even know. I knew there was something missing, the feeling of something missing, but I couldn't know what it was. I just knew how I felt. And I started asking myself, what would I do for free all day long? Where do I want to be hanging out? What do I want to, who do I want to spend my time with? Not as part of my business, just me, right? Right. Just to listen to that void that I had inside of me and understand where was that taking me. And at that time, this was many years ago, I had already been involved with the TED space and I had been a co-organizer of an event. I had been part of their workshops. And out of serendipity, the opportunity came about that I was asked to lead a TEDx in my community. And I had the capacity to do it, I had the bandwidth to do it, and I had the licensing to do it. And so that is how, in some ways, I began volunteering to run the local TEDx. In doing so, I realized I learned so much about myself. I, first of all, learned how much I loved helping people clarify their ideas, their message. These people that were coming to our event to apply to speak, and by the way, We had hundreds of people applying with only 14 or 15 slots that we could accommodate. But these people, many of them were authors. They were seasoned entrepreneurs or thought leaders or speakers. But when they were trying to come to the TEDx platform, they were really struggling in having a clear, succinct idea. Because you know, and I know, that if you're speaking about a subject for 60 or 90 minutes, Turning that into a 20-minute impactful conversation is a completely different story.
1: Yes, definitely.
0: And so I learned, A, how much people were struggling in that transition, number one. And two, I learned how much I enjoyed that kind of process of turning someone's message into a compact, succinct, and clear message. And in some ways, you ask me, how did I choose that platform? It chose me. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And in some ways, the work that I do today is inspired by that work. It's not all the work that I do. I do help people get on TEDx stages. It's just one of our services. But I used everything I learned in helping someone communicate in an engaging way in under 18 minutes. And I translated that into helping someone do the same in short videos, in their marketing, in any other communication about their work.
1: Right. Right. Absolutely. Well, you know, one of the things, you know, we talk about how are you designing your life versus, you know, living by default. And I know something that you are super passionate about is people getting really clear about who they are and that whole clarity around it. And you kind of have this three-part, you know, process of, of asking people those questions. And so, I mean, there are so many people that, you know, whether it's TEDx or, or just getting out in the world of, of who you are and getting really clear of, you know, what that is. How do you help people get really clear on who they are as the foundation to start that process?
0: Yes, that's a great question. I mean, the long answer is I have a methodology that I've designed called the idea of you, because I believe that each one of us is actually an idea. And if we allow this idea of ourselves to fully expand, oh my God, the impact we could have, mm-hmm. right? Right. And so if you think about it that way, that we each one is a seed that has the potential to grow and to expand and to impact and to be part of an ecosystem, because we're all related, then the steps to begin, and by no means is the whole process, but it's at least the steps to begin is asking yourself things like, like I did back then when I was, had this void, is like, what would I do for free all day long? Or what is a knowing that I have that has always been there, whether I'm conscious of it or not? Or what is some skills? This is a great question to ask someone in your life, your parents, your siblings, your old childhood friends and say, what do you come to me for? I started asking that question and started asking, when do you come to me? And I just asked, I'm thinking, OK, we'll see what they answer. (laughs) I remember getting responses from my mom, my sisters, my friends. It's like, well, when I'm not sure what to do next or when I'm kind of confused in my own thoughts or when things feel like all out of control, you always sort it out. It's not that I sort it out now. I used to sort it out when I was four years old, according to my mom, in some (laughs) way or another. I mean, back then I had been the sock drawer, but it was something that I enjoyed. So... Understanding how we're wired and what comes natural to us is the first step to starting to create a life of alignment and a work of alignment. Yes. Because the goal is to do the work that you never work for.
1: Hmm. Wait, say that again. I'm sure some of our our listeners are driving and that may be missed them. That's such a a profound statement. We're really looking at how are we making our impact in the world and what that looks like. So please share that again.
0: Yeah. So I honestly believe that I don't work. I make a living, a very abundant living. I just come out of a coaching session with a client, a private coaching session with a client. I would do it again, like, right now. Like, I loved it. I was energized. It was effortless. So in my mind, yes, I'm working. I'm sitting at my desk. I can't go uh, skiing in this moment because I had a commitment. So, you know. But short of that, that was a very enjoyable hour. Yes. Okay. And, and don't tell my clients that I would do it for free all day long. <laughs>
1: But then, you know, I made them feel that, right? They feel that. I mean, I feel the same way when I'm like so enrolled in what are they doing in their life and what are the wins that they're having. And even the setbacks, you know, show different aspects of where they're going next. And I totally get what you're saying because, you know, when you're connected with the right people doing the right work and what are you uniquely here to do, it makes such a big impact in the world. And I love that part about, you know, why do people come to you? And I'm going to ask my group of that because I think it evolves over time. But there is a foundational reason on why people connect with you or why your name comes to top of mind. And I think that's a, you know, a fun study, if you will, to be able to just really looking at that. And you know, I love your question, too, about people asking themselves, like, what are you meant to do? Because I think that there are a lot of things we can do, right? There's a lot of things we can do. How are you helping people distinguish between what they can do versus what they are meant to do?
0: There's a great book called The Big Leap. Guy Hendricks, I actually have it somewhere here, and pre he presents this, this kind of framework of thinking about this question. And I've heard it from, you read a book and then every coach or every person is talking about this. So there's different versions of this, but it's, it's almost like if you have four buckets and bucket one is things that you love to do, you would do it all day without getting tired, comes natural to you, it's effortless. You would do it for quote unquote for free. Right. I say, quote unquote, because every time I say that people think that I will ask them to do it for free. And the truth is like, when you identify the bucket of what you would do for free, I, as a coach, will look at the bucket and say, great, let's monetize that. Right. So that's bucket number one. Make a list. You like to clean dishes, put it there. You like to walk dogs, put it there. Because you might not be walking dogs, but there might be something that is monetizable that is, that has a big vision who knows? You never know what you can turn that into. Right. Then there's a bucket of, I am really good at this. I have been, you call it excellence. I have been, I've won awards. I have been recognized for this. My boss you know, always said, great job when I do this. Whatever that looks like, write it down. If it's on this bucket, it's because it didn't make the bucket of, I would do for free. Just make it a note. And then there's a bucket of, I can do it. I've done it. I would never do it for free. <laughs> but I can definitely do it. I can drive my kids all over the world easily. Do I choose to do that? No. Sometimes. Not always. And then there's the, I should not do it. Mm-hmm. And then if you're a business owner and you're listening to this podcast, we, as business owners, wearing in a lot of hats, there's a lot of things that we don't do because we feel that we're not big enough uh, revenue profit or profitable enough or abundant enough to not do it anymore. Mm-hmm. And that bucket, I'll ask, I'll ask you to ask yourself, maybe it's costing you money. Right, right. Like, I should not do my own accounting. I shouldn't. Hmm.
1: Right. I love the distinctions on that. And, you know, a step beyond that, you know, should not do. I've had some mentors mention like actually creating a list of things that you are never doing again. Like you're just actually writing it down saying, I'm never doing this again. And it may not be today is not the day you're not going to do it because maybe there's a transition or there needs to be a person for that or whatever. But when you mentally, you know, really make the distinction that I am never doing this again, it puts it out there that. You're not meant to do it. It doesn't inspire you. It doesn't really you know, move the needle or move you to you know, where you want to go, which leads me to that kind of third part that you ask about is what kind of life do you want to live? How does that come into play in making the decisions around you? Know, because I think people sometimes have a vague idea of what kind of life they want to live. How do you help them get really specific on what kind of life that looks like? And what are some of the questions and ways that you have people look at that?
0: Great question, and a question that threw me on a loop and took me to coaching school in two thousand and I don't know eleven or ten or whatever it was, it was literally I was at a meeting, and the person I was collaborating with, he wasn't a boss, he was more of a I, I was helping with his company, and he sat down and he said, "What do you want?" And it was a kind conversation. And my answer was tears. And I came home and I shared that anecdote with my husband. And he proceeded to show the clip of the movie A League of Their Own where Tom Hanks tells a young Gina Davis, there is no crying in baseball. Basically, my husband was trying to make a <laughs> joke and say, there's no crying in business, but there's, they can be crying in business. But anyway, that question is probably the heaviest, most difficult question for all of us. What do we want? Because the truth is that we know what we don't want, We can complain all day long, but when you are asked, what do you want? You don't know. The not knowing keeps us stuck in the complaining. Yes. And so I went to coaching school and got trained and ICF certified to answer my own question. Mm -hmm. And so how do I help people go through this? There's a couple of ways. First of all, think of a moment in your life where you felt like you were floating, where Everything felt grandiose or you felt maybe, here's careful, maybe the environment wasn't wonderful. You felt wonderful because I'll give you my peak experience. And I went back to heh, living in the jungle in North Borneo, what is called Insular Malaysia, the region of Sabah. I was doing community work. I was sleeping in a hammock between two trees taking malaria pills just not to get malaria for mosquitoes without a bathroom or a shower or running water or good food or anything you can think of. I was miserable. (laughs) But inside I was fulfilling my value of adventure. I was fulfilling my value of success and overcoming my challenges. I was fulfilling my, value of belonging because I was part of a community for three months where we're doing concrete work and we were bonding and it was just a family in the jungle. It was a weirder thing. And there were wonderful moments and there were incredibly miserable moments. There was no luxury. There was no bubble bath. There was no good food. There was no Gucci. There was none of that. But I felt like I was incredibly powerful. Hmm. So when I was asked that and I went back to that I, I could look at that situation and again I want to make sure that we understand that it wasn't about the experience or the luxury of the experience or the cruise or the no 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 it was about how I was feeling in a situation that for many could have been horrible right it and, what- and actually was horrible for me for two weeks right.
1: well and what a great powerful distinction, right? Because on the outset, you know, I'm sure a lot of us could think of situations in our life that were maybe not as empowering or felt like things weren't going well, or they're just like, you know, things just weren't how you thought life was going to be. And it's easy to look at those things that we don't want in life. And I agree with you. I think it can be much more challenging to really take a stand for what kind of life you want to live and what that actually looks like. And to actually look beneath some of the experiences, because I would venture to guess that some of people's most challenging times actually served some aspect of themselves, of really having them calling them forward, whether that's moving through a challenge or stepping up for yourself or really looking at what those things look like. I know for you personally, one of the most disempowering times was when your husband had lost his job, but it was in that that you actually found some of your strength. Um, And I'd love for you to talk a little bit about that, because I think that our listeners can really relate to in times that feel really disempowering and challenging, that there is a version of our own power and who we're being that comes through that.
0: Great. And yes, happy to. Here's one thing I want to say to begin that conversation. There is no straight line between the challenge and your best version. There's a lot of mud in the property. (laughs) It's not like my husband lost his job, and all of a sudden I will double my (laughs) business. No. It was about a month and a half, about six weeks of crying, of going to bed crying with this, you can call it panic attack, you can call it pressure in your chest, whatever you want to call it. There's a lot of versions of it, and everybody's different. But I would wake up crying. The moment I opened my eyes and I realized, oh, this is what we're dealing with. And, you know, it's a more complicated story than my husband lost his job because he lost his job to a family business that he owns and in a conflict with his own father. So it's a a very convoluted emotional conversation. But the reality was that we are a family of six, i two dogs, so eight. And that the next month, the first of the month, there will be no paycheck coming from my husband. And he was the main breadwinner. I had my coaching business and he was chugging along really nicely as I was as a full-time mom of four, driving kids everywhere like all moms would do here in the U.S. I was working when the kids were in school. All my kids were home. And so I did Literally put my head under a pillow for about six weeks, saying I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. I wasn't saying I won't, I just said I can't. <laughs> and it was all like this is happening to me. This is not my problem, this is their mess. Why do I have to fix it? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Six weeks. And the truth is that the first of the month came, it was actually January 1st, and I could do, I could play whatever role, I could be in whatever version of me I wanted, but there was a fact reality, and is that at the end of the month, the mortgage would be due. That's it. And I had a choice to lean into victim or lean into the maybe potential possibility that I could actually figure this out. I didn't have any reassurance that I could, but I I had 100% reassurance that I wouldn't if I stayed where I was. Right. And so it was through the tears, through the self-doubt, through the I can't, but I will try something. I can't, but I will make that phone call. I can't, but I will change my business model so that I can accommodate double the business without losing sleep, meaning without being able to live. And it was through that process that not only did I turn it around in the sense that I was able to double, literally double my income so we could pay the mortgage, but not only was I able to do that, but I was able to kind of go back to the jungle moment and tap into my jungle Dolores and say, I don't like this. This sucks. I'm not living in a hammer between the trees, but it feels like it. But watch me
1: right right and and really tapping into that that inner power and passion and those things that you really love and that you can stand in and- you know, I love this jungle Dolores. And I think what's important is, you know, especially for our listeners to really tap into is that, you know, you could be going through some really struggling times and moments. And you mentioned about those six weeks and, you know, sometimes we just, we have to just be in it and be real of what's present to what's happening. And we may not have any idea of how we're going to move through it or what it's going to look like, but to just to trust that you will for one and that, you know, it isn't a straight line. So I love how you share, like things can happen. And, and, you know, then all of a sudden it seems, especially on social media, like then there was success. ta-da, Right. But to really embrace the process and it's what I like to refer to as messy in the middle where it can just be crazy with through some of the process. And you just know that all we're really trying to do is course correct to get just a little bit more clarity, to just be like, what can I do today? And just really come down to the bare bones of how we can make some of these shifts and take these disempowering moments and really stand in our power and really come from that place. So I think it's really important to do that. And I just applaud you for just embracing all of it, right? To just really acknowledge all of that. Because a lot of times people don't share the messy parts and how they can get through that and move in that par- process of that. So I know that you have, uh, you know, this process, you talk about the idea that people have, the idea of you and process where you have this free gift where people can connect with you. How can they do that? We're going to put all the links in there, but if you can share a little bit about, you know, what it is.
0: Yeah. So the idea of you is a whole personal process and then matching that, because it's kind of the two parts of the work that I do, is the idea method. Now that you understand who you are and what your work is, it's like, you know, that idea becomes a tangible idea that you can put out in the market. The idea method is a process that I've identified, and this is combining a lot of my experience with TEDx and a lot of my experience as an entrepreneur and with a, I have a degree in business, and it's understanding from the perspective of if you put yourself in the shoes of the idea, what does it need, that seed, what does it need to grow, Right. And it's like, it's a nine-step kind of methodology where we focus on the clarity of the idea and how we communicate it. Yes. The clarity on the business model. I just mentioned business model, which is the thing that shifted. And for me at the time, and I'll share some numbers because this is important. I was making about $10,000 a month and the shifting of the business model alone turned it into 20 a month in 30 days. And I'm not making this up. And I'm saying $20,000 In the bank account, cash in. That's all the numbers I I don't talk about. I sold something that will be paid in 10 years. So the business model, the clarity on the business model is critical to turning that work into a viable business. Then it's a proprietary system. What is a unique way that you do the work that you do that will help you stand out and stay apart from your competition? You are not another coach or consultant or accountant or a lawyer. You are your own. Then is how do you present this work to the world, services and packages? That is what I call the trust funnel. I don't talk about sales funnels. I talk about creating systems of consistency and relationship building, trust-based relations. And then we talk about your mindset or your company culture or your thoughts, basically. Your market, who do you want to be a hero to? your vision, which is your idea of the life you want paired with the business that you're building, and then your company habits. We brush our teeth every day so we can have this good smile. Well, there's things that the business needs every day that when you identify our habits, it becomes an intrinsic part of your business. Like marketing, is a habit. It's not something we do when we feel like it. Nice. So these nine nine elements are the idea method. So The best way to go is mastersinclarity.com. You actually can take the clarity assessment and you will be able to actually assess the clarity of your own business. And you can also go to work with us on free resources and you'll find the book, Stand Out, the TED way that walks you through the idea method applied to your business.
1: Perfect. And we'll have all of those things in the link. And, you know, speaking of, you know, having clarity and creating, you know, the environments that, that really support you, one of the things I always like to ask my guests is that we have different experiences in our bedroom versus our kitchen and our office. What is your favorite room in your home and
0: why? Hmm, I would say, I would say actually the living room in my house, because we build this house and we built it around the fireplace that we have in the living room. Hmm. And we don't use it so much in the summer, but of course, this time of year, we actually turn on the fireplace in the afternoons. And we do my kids do homework with me there. I do work. We watch movies and we have meals there too. Oh,
1: I love that so much. Uh, I love it. We've been putting our fireplace on as well. And uh, that's just a fun connecting space for for people to be in. So I just, I want to thank you for all of your wisdom and for being here on the show and just sharing your clarity with the
0: world. Thank you. Thank you so much, Diane, for having
1: me. Absolutely. And for our listeners, we will have all of the links for you to stay connected with Dolores in the uh, show notes. And uh, one of the things that really support us in getting out in the world is for you to subscribe to the channel and to rate and review. I'd love for you to put in, you know, the comments, just what did you learn from this? What kind of action steps are you going to take? You know, even if you put in like, you know, what realization have you gotten and what like even an amount of clarity that you're going to start asking yourself some better questions. And I would love for you to tag both Dolores and I, we'd be happy to answer any of your questions and to really support you on your journey and in getting your message out there and standing in your power. So until we connect again, live your spa life. Bye for now.
0: Bye-bye. Your host and spa life curator, Diane Halfman wants you to know you can download her free guide to start living your spa life right now. Go to dianehaffman.com and click on the link for the nine secrets to step into your spa life. Now, live your spa life where accomplishment and harmony coexist.